seminar that was given by a female author that I really like, and she was talking about um, how there are certain people who are like canaries, and she was talking about um, how they would send canaries into coal mines, and they, um, by no fault of the coal miners themselves, they could not detect when there were toxins in the mines, and so they were going in, and they were they couldn't smell it, and so they would send birds in because their little birdie beaks were built so much more sensitive mm-hmm. than the coal miners were. And most of the time, they would do their birdie games and they would sing along. And then when they would detect that something was not okay, they'd quit singing and everyone would know to leave. And she was talking about how there are people who are just built like that, that they're built more sensitively than other people. There are just people who are canaries. And I thought, that this, this is what I am. Mm. That I just am so, appear to be, and when I interact with other people, much more sensitive than everyone else. I just feel everything Mm. so much more intensely. And I thought, that's it. To be a four is to be a canary. And that must be what I am. Welcome to the Story Enneagram Podcast. I'm Jim Gum, and I'm an Enneagram teacher and coach living in Kansas City. Today, we're going to explore the emotional capacity of type four. You heard Elise in the opening. She realized her life experience was as different from others as a canary is different from a coal miner. What would it be like to live in a world where you felt different than everyone else? Fours are differentiators. They're able to see things in the world that others miss. They also feel things more deeply than others. Today, we'll consider the upsides and the downsides of type fours and the counterintuitive move that can really help them thrive. Fours are sometimes called the romantic or the artist, and many artists are fours, but not all fours are artists. They have a bias towards the unconventional. They can imagine something that's never been done before. They find their identity more from how they are not like other people. Listen to how Sarah describes her growing up. I think I got a book or somebody was telling me about the different types. And when they started talking about um, fours have a very, very developed inner world and um, like maybe even a fantasy life, Mm -hmm. um, a version of yourself that is... um, like a fantasy self almost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I had that feeling of like, oh, wait, not everybody has that. And then like, oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's when I knew for sure. And then I went, when I went back into my childhood and um, had memories that were like very poor child memories. I was a very emotional child and like a very non-emotional family. Yeah. So if there was actually a moment or if it was just like a repeated thing that people would bring up in Bible studies or in Sunday school class where it was supposed to be this comforting thing that God loves everybody. And I was like, no, I want to know that God loves me. And how, mm-hmm. how is that going to become clear? Um, yeah. And I'm not getting any special messages here. And here's how Daniel describes his experience. I had this experience for a while where if I'm driving and I see like roadkill or anything, I feel like my heart just like drops and it's like, but it feels like a moment where it's like, this is just this one thing 
and it's not very pretty, and it's not, it's definitely not beautiful by itself, but it just, like, it starts all these thoughts about, like, cycle of life and death and how everything works together, and it goes way too deep. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> but it helps me, like, live my life, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's a term for the four called the symbol maker. Mm-hmm. I feel like I really resonate with that, especially as, a, like, a songwriter, just taking these parts of my life and just extrapolating or taking out of it all this meaning mm-hmm. and beauty mm-hmm. and turning it into something that yeah. it isn't on the surface. It's fascinating to hear how Sarah received the comment that God loves everyone the same as more troubling than comforting. Daniel describes how his experience of something as mundane as roadkill opens a portal to the circle of life. Listen to how Elise describes a recent conversation. Well, I still have that experience now. (laughs) On our way to every dinner party we ever go to, this conversation takes place. My husband says, okay, honey, um, these topics are off limits. You get too intense. And so um, please don't bring up this or this. And if other people bring those things up, maybe you just what are skim they? over it. Like anything. And just like <laughs> things things that I get, a po- political topic or um, something about, uh, I mean, it doesn't even matter. There's just things. The and I start getting, comes about. I get so intense. And then the need to feel special comes out. And so um, I, I'm a therapist. And so I've spent a lot of time in grad school and in my own work, not me tooing. Um, but then people will talk about something that was brilliant. I'm like, Mm. <laughs> but mine's more. Like I'm the most special. My pain was worse, or my thing is bigger. And it's like every part of me. It's so hard to just like this is a topic I'm not allowed to go to. <laughs> so hard. So I'm still doing that. Yeah. Dr. Seuss used the simple rhyming words mad, sad, and glad in his children's books. Have you ever heard of someone described as only having cat-in-the-hat emotions? Some people really can't name what they're feeling with much nuance. They may be mad, sad, or glad, but they don't go much deeper than that. Not so with type 4s. Type 4s have access to the full range of emotions. They can describe how they're feeling using words like skeptical, apathetic, or melancholy. Fours use their rich emotional life to imagine what would make a room or a painting more beautiful. They can think of ways that an experience could be enhanced and special. Listen to how Sarah describes this power. It's kind of a dual power because both you can see the beauty in real life. Um, but then also to imagine a imagine a beauty um, mm-hmm. where there isn't any is also a superpower too. Like you can see something and seem, but if it was like this, or if this little change happened, or if we did this, this, and this, then it's a completely new, mm-hmm. beautiful thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's also a power of the four, yeah. the imagination side. Daniel tells a story about how his ability to feel what others were feeling showed up early in his life. It's funny because I would I would call it like truth telling, just because it's like I feel like I can see when someone else is caught up in something, and I I I feel like I've always been there. I know what they're talking about, um, and then it's just being those own realizations that I've made 
to get out of those places is just kind of see what's like going on here and see how this is valuable and how it's normal. I've always felt like I've been in that role with friends as just like a counselor and I really like that ability to empathize and to be long-suffering and to be patient and to be patient with suffering and patient with other people's stuff I feel like has been really valuable to my life and I just thought of a kind of funny thing when you're talking about like people being led to counseling in fourth grade they would give out awards at the end of every year like teach student and I really wanted to be class clown <laughs> and I did not I did not get it I was close I think I don't know but I got problem solver and I was like what like that sucks. And then, and then I, I asked like my friend, she's like, well, like you help everybody with their problems. Like, oh. Here's how Sarah describes her experience. I would say that ability to sit with pain and not be scared of it yeah. is something I think has come in really helpful in friendships, mm-hmm. especially. Um, and I'd never thought of it as reframing. I think I've always thought it as um, story, like storytelling, being able to imagine a different story out of mm-hmm. something, which is just, it's reframing mm-hmm. the same thing. Which is a different mm-hmm. word. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you can sit with someone in pain or see yourself in pain and imagine a different outcome. Daniel wanted to be class clown, but was chosen problem solver because he naturally helped people solve their problems. He said he could understand when someone was caught up in something because he too had been caught up in something. He could be patient and long-suffering. Sarah described her ability to sit with pain. There are other Enneagram types that have a much harder time doing that. They'll either want to cheer you up or distract you. I once heard a friend say, if you're sad, I won't sit with you, but I will take you shopping. Fours are not afraid of the darkness. And when a four's friend is feeling sad, They can join them in the sadness. Remember the person who could be with you when you were really hurting? The person who didn't try to quickly make it go away or pretend it wasn't there? A person who does that for you can become a friend for life. They were there in your time of need. They empathized. They felt what you were feeling with you. Their presence and their calmness was a comfort. As Daniel said, I can let them know that what they're going through is normal. And that type of presence is a game changer. Listen how Elise describes how this ability affected her career path. I think one of the things that's really special about being a four, um, or I tell myself is really special about being a four, (laughs) is um, the ability to understand when someone else, have empathy when someone else is feeling something. And the romantic part of the four, I think, is able to do a lot of positive reframes with work. A healthier version of the four can do some positive reframes to someone else and say, like, here is the beauty in what you're saying. Mm, Um, And there is, like, there's beauty in in the growth of what you're experiencing. Uh, I Mm. think that most definitely led me in my path towards being uh, therapist and I think there's a lot of fours who end up in helping professions because we get it and when someone else is saying this thing is a big deal we get that it's a big deal mm-hmm. um, so I feel like that's a really beautiful part about mm-hmm. being a four Elise describes her ability to both empathize and offer a positive reframe Sarah mentioned her storytelling ability however the force power to imagine how something could be better may eventually become a trap for them. I would say that's one thing that um, 
it is easy for me to get stuck in melancholy. Yeah. Um, and I, I do have to work to, um, like literally just have a 10 things that make me happy list and like mm-hmm. go back to them so I don't get stuck there. Um, I would say the other thing as a four that I, uh, I'm afraid of, I think, mm-hmm. um, is getting stuck in fantasy world, like not just being flat out delusional. Like I really want to make sure that I'm disciplined in my use of fantasy and imagination mm-hmm. and daydreaming because I'm terrified of, I think it'd be really easy for me to become completely detached from the real world. I think that's a constant struggle for a four is to to realize reality is better. It is better for me to live in reality than it is to live yeah. up that's here, right. even though. It's that's profound. But that fantasy land part then also leaves us craving for something to be more beautiful than it is. Yeah. Like this thing yep. is not good enough. Yeah. And I can picture it so much better. Mm. And the envy part of it seems like she has mm-hmm. it better than I do. And her, what her world is better than mine, which then doesn't make me special. Right. That is the <laughs> yeah. flip side yeah. of yeah. that. That's the really dark mm-hmm. side of having that ability to fantasize um, is that I can think of 20 ways that this moment right now could be even better and like right. even more meaningful right. and, and like and could make us all feel like we're so, so, so special <laughs> um, and then when it doesn't happen yeah. then I like lose my yeah I lose my ability to appreciate this moment mm-hmm. and that's yeah. Yeah, a that. real struggle yeah. the longing for something better that fuels the imagination can also create a daily dissatisfaction with the ordinary, the routine, the humdrum. Those are the things that fours most try to avoid. Sarah spoke about being stuck in melancholy. Elise says that the craving for something to be more beautiful than it is leaves her feeling that nothing is ever good enough. She does a great job of describing this orientation towards an idealized future. The idea of longing for something and what it creates for me, mm-hmm. I, th- I thrive off of that anxiety that it creates, mm-hmm. mostly in looking forward to something, mm-hmm. um, even if it's something that's not that great, mm-hmm. that if I know this thing is in the future and I'm going to have it and can look forward to it, that's the entire experience for me. Right. It gets there. Mm-hmm. And then like the fantasy land that you've been speaking of, it's not ever as great as I was imagining that it would be. And so the entire experience was the anticipation and the tension of what was going to happen. And then it lets me down and then (laughs) go into my drama place. I once heard Helen Palmer, founder of the Narrative Enneagram, describe type fours this way. They thrive on the tension. They're like a rubber band that is pulled tight. It gives them the energy to imagine an ideal future, to long for what could be. Elise said that the future is the entire experience for her. It also leads to disappointment because nothing is ever quite as great as she imagined it. Facing reality is like the rubber band going slack. There's no tension. And without the tension, the four quickly loses interest and turns their attention to something else that they could idealize. Sarah shares how she's been combating this tendency. I think something in the past few years that has been really helpful for me is um, 
doing that kind of mindfulness work, working on being in the moment, um, just putting some of those practices mm-hmm. in, um, whether that's through breathing or like getting a mindfulness app um, or just saying right now, I'm going to appreciate exactly where I'm at and what's happening in this moment, um, which does not come naturally to me because I'm always thinking about either a pretend moment or something that could happen in the future that's a hundred times better than what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm working on that, um, that presence. Yeah. Because you don't want to also lose the thing that is a superpower. You know, you don't want to lose the ability to imagine right. different right. Um, stories and different things. Right. But right. I don't want to lose the joy of being here right now. I don't want to lose the joy of being here right now. Sarah found that practicing mindfulness, seeking to be more aware about her tendencies, really made a difference. When a type 4 practices gratitude, learns to be present, they can realize that the most authentic, ideal place is not beyond their reach. It's right here. It's right now. Thanks for listening to the Story Enneagram podcast today. If you or someone you know is a four who seems to be stuck in melancholy or finds himself never quite satisfied, you've come to the right place. Wouldn't it be great to have your emotions without your emotions having you? Visit my website at storyenneagram.com. I offer solutions for the workplace and training sessions for businesses, schools, and nonprofits. I also offer personal coaching packages for individuals or couples. Drop me a line and let's explore what the Enneagram can do for you. Please subscribe to the Story Enneagram podcast. Share it with your friends and family. And if you're really feeling it, leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. Our music is by Daniel Gum. You can hear his music on Spotify or wherever you get your music. And yes, we do have the same last name. That's it for this episode of the Story Enneagram podcast. Story Enneagram, where learning your type is just the beginning of a whole new story. Story.